0: This episode of Right at the Fork is brought to you by Zupan's Markets.
1: And you know when Thanksgiving comes around, it's uh, a great time to check into Zupan's. If you go there on the regular, fine, and if you don't, they have some excellent ideas for Thanksgiving, including a whole family meal. You can do the whole thing there.
0: Yeah, it's pretty great. We've been doing uh, Zupan's for Thanksgiving meal for the last couple years. We've either uh, done the full meal, which actually was the case last year. Uh, It came with all sorts of sides, turkey, plenty of turkey, and uh, we were eating on that for days. So delicious. The mashed potatoes, by the way, from Zupans can't be beat, and if you're getting a turkey from there and you want to maybe spatchcock it, they'll do that for you. That's where you butterfly the, uh, the, the bird. Chris, you knew that.
1: Right, and you can also add some sides as well when you order the turkey. In addition, I particularly love those roasted carrots. Mm-hmm. Um, those look fantastic with candied pecans. But you can also, these you can't order, if you don't order the turkey, you just need to go into Zupans and you can pick up side dishes. And I'm looking at a list of, it looks like about 15 different side dishes here and one of them that struck a chord with me is if you have someone coming for thanksgiving dinner that's gluten-free you can just go and get some gluten-free stuffing so you can accommodate them without having to do anything but pull it pull it out of the refrigerator and warm it up Um, and that's not all there's also let me just read a few here Uh, there's butternut squash soup there's brussels sprout salad with citrus vinaigrette Of course, stuffing, and uh, you mentioned the mashed potatoes, French green beans with roasted chanterelles. Uh, It goes on and on. If you want extra gravy, um, cranberry, orange sauce, right down the list, Zupans is a place for a great holiday.
0: And don't forget the pie. I'm looking at all sorts of great pies, including pumpkin pie from Blue Raven, or maybe you got uh, Loretta Jean's chocolate cream pie. Chris mentioned you stop by one of three convenient locations uh, where you can just walk in and grab some of these sides. And where are those, Chris?
1: Oh, it's really easy to think about this. Lake Oswego, McAdam, and also West Burnside.
0: All right, here it is. Time once again, it's Portland's Food Scene Podcast. It's right at the fork with your host, Chris Angelus from Portland Food Adventures. And I'm Court Johnson from Portland Radio, kink.fm.
1: You know, for so many years, I would be the one to say that. And I'm still about to say that. And then you are introducing yourself. And thank you for doing so, Court. It's always great to be here with you. And we're no longer here together in the same studio. We're doing this remotely and I'm getting used to it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think there. You know, we've we've talked about this, but the pandemic has changed so much. It it uh, has been innovative. It's also been, uh, you know, it's isolated a lot of people. But uh, I don't have a camera in my current studio, but you have a camera in yours, so I get to peek in on Chris a couple no. times a week. I'm not see so sitting sure at your I desk.
1: Turn that camera off. <laughs> Uh, for this, there's no reason, as a matter of fact, we're doing this fairly early, and I'm not re- I'm pretty disheveled right now. <laughs> I miss the days where I would actually drive into Portland from the coast and have it like a professional day in a professional office around, surrounded by professionals, and I don't, now I'm just surrounded by my dog, Coffee, and I'm in a really nice office, but I do miss the actual uh, production of putting together a great podcast with you and our fantastic guests. We don't get to see them any longer except through except virtually. and uh, we're you know we're get, we're getting used to that now. I really remember back when I was complaining that we couldn't go in the studio? I don't, yeah. get, I don't care really anymore <laughs> I like doing it from my office
0: yeah, yeah, now there there's a lot of conveniences, but you know, I guess to your point, it would be great to. Uh to see each other every now and then, and see other people,
1: right? And I like to, I like to be looking at the guests. I actually was, um, I kind of contradicted what I just said that I missed that, and then I said I don't miss it. So either way is fine with me. I'd like a mix. I, that would be nice if I if we come in and into the studio um, and have it sometimes. Maybe just when we're interviewing the beautiful women. Am I allowed to say that nowadays? I don't know, Court. Am I allowed mm. to even reference beautiful yeah. women? I don't.
0: I don't know, Chris. I, 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 I'm, I'm going to choose not to comment.
1: Exactly. So uh, I feel like my tongue is uh, like I, I'm constantly rolling it back, just to, um, to just to not step on an, in any territory I shouldn't be. We're getting old, Court. I think that's the deal.
0: Right. Which is always the case. When yeah. The, the older the older generation gets, a little bit more disconnected with with uh, you know the younger generation, and it's, the, it's a tale of all time.
1: Right, and we're both parents, so we know what it's like to be vilified just for opening our mouths. So, oh
0: man, the, the eye rolls in my house, <laughs> I've got two teenage daughters, it's uh, nonstop these days.
1: Yeah, no, I would imagine, so I'm, I'm, I think, what, 10, 15 years ahead of you, something like that? Uh, yeah. So the eye rolls still come, but not at the same pace. Um, I will say they they dissipate over time. But I think the last few years, things have changed a lot. And, um, you know, uh, we have to, you and I always used to be, I always used to ask you after podcasts, is there anything that I said that we need to think about? And pretty, you know, we don't get a lot of complaints. So that's good. So obviously, we haven't said anything that stepped on a lot of toes. But you can't be perfect nowadays. And at any rate. What's so terrible about mentioning that being in the studio in the company of a beautiful woman isn't um, isn't a good thing? Also, handsome guys too. That's always a go. good energy as well. Yeah. Good looking guys, even bad looking guys too I don't mind the energy is there, and it, when you when you're having a, a good conversation, it flows either way, so that's good I don't
0: know Chris I don't know if you've helped or hurt yourself with uh, with that uh, caveat there at the end, but I appreciate you Any
1: well, effort. yeah, some people may have tuned out and not heard that
0: Yeah. They're going to miss out on a, a great classic episode of Right at the Fork.
1: I think so. It's one of my favorite guests. This is uh, Eitan Zayas of Steelport Knife Company. He also happens to be the proprietor of Portland Knife House, and we had we've had him on uh, under both umbrellas, so to speak. And um, I just saw a video last week that they produced for Steelport Knives, and I thought that is very cool. What aton is doing is seriously cool and um and we thought well as long as we're doing a classic episode this week we may as well bring something out that prompts people to think of a great holiday gift see i notice i didn't say christmas Hmm. i just did though um a great holiday gift the steelport knife is just a fantastic locally produced artisan product that of course anybody can use and anybody would appreciate for years I particularly love giving gifts that people can hold in their hand look at on their wrist uh, see daily and enjoy uh, for a long period of time and of course that is what a steelport knife would do so we can hear uh, aton talking about the beginnings of the knife company when it was just about i think being introduced and about to be uh available to the public and now anyone can go to steelportknife.com and see their story see their knives and order right now i think it would be a great um locally sourced portland gift to give everyone but i think also we give the gift of this interview to our listeners.
2: Zupan's Markets. And by Portland Food Adventures. Ready to break out and travel to some of the world's most delicious destinations? Portland Food Adventures has space available on two trips in 2022 to Basque Country in Spain with Chef Javier Canteras of Urdaneta. Also, if you've never experienced Italy with Austria Enzyme, join Chris for the most delicious nine days in western Sicily imaginable. Info at PortlandFoodAdventures.com
1: Good morning. morning. Good to see you. Good to see you. I, I, you know, I, don't, I only get to see people through this now, through a screen. It's very, it feels like this is our future. We're just going to be seeing each other through screens.
3: A lot of things are not going to change no matter what, yeah.
1: Well, some of them are not going to change just because we're finding that it's easier. Yeah. And it's simpler. So, um, but at any rate, I sincerely appreciate you taking the time. To c- come on this morning because I'm sure you're busy. You got a you got a few things going on over there with a with a launch of a new product and a new company basically. Um, looks your knives just look awesome, and I would imagine that someone who's been in the business as long as you have, you're not going to launch a product that is anything short of incredible. So.
3: Well, thanks for the vote of confidence. Yeah, I'm doing my best. <laughs> I do my best, and yeah, things are busy, but this is a little break for me, actually. So I get to take a break for an hour. So I get to sit down. Oh, just
1: an hour! I was hoping you were going to say, "Well, we got our initial launch of eighty-five knives out, and now we're gonna, we get to breathe a little bit and start all over again."
3: Oh no, I am very much in the weeds right now. But uh, but but again, I get to, I get to sit down in my pajamas for a little while. But no, this sure. is the uh, yeah no we're we're doing this the hard way so um, yeah I've been putting in putting in really long hours um, we're actually uh, the new company Steelport is actually sharing space with the Knife House
0: mm-hmm. so
3: I can't do anything during business hours so uh, now that the uh, you know for the past year I was um, doing Zoom classes with the kids. For the first half of the day, then going into work, and then, as soon as we close at six, then I start working on steelport and um, so it 's been long days but uh, but eventually we we'll, we 'll we'll get a facility and we can work, we can work normal hours
1: so what is are the do you have a lot of the same people working at knife house and steelport? Uh, is it a completely, do, do, eventually will it be co- a, com- it can't be completely separate. You, you're in the same industry. It's completely separate except for myself. So, oh, all right. Yeah, well, so, that answers that question.
3: Yeah. So fortunately, yeah, fortunately we're, you know, uh, we're pretty busy right now at the knife house. Um, so I was really hoping to grab a couple of the guys and have them help me out with, the uh, with the steel port project, but, um, but yeah, I mean, fortunately for us, we're, you know, we're actually doing business and we're busy and, and, uh, they are, they are trying to keep up with our sharpening at the knife house and it's really just, um, yeah, it's just me and my business partner, Ron from, uh, of, uh, fine fame. And, um, and yeah, and then we finally got one, um, one X one additional knife maker to help me out. So it's just, uh, it's just the two of us doing all the hands-on work, really. Oh, uh, fantastic. We are trying to grow. We are, trying so to grow. I, we are looking for knife makers, if anybody out there is listening.
1: Is there, yeah, well, there are probably quite a few former sh- kitchen workers that might be interested in becoming a knife maker, but I don't know if you're going to find any that have a lot of, of folks that have already worked in that industry. No,
3: not a lot. It's a pretty, yeah, there, there aren't that many of us out there, But but we'll train yeah, we'll train and we are looking and it's just a matter of motivation and knowing what the end result is supposed to be.
1: Oh, I would bet. I would, I would guess, you know, I don't often say this, but I would guess there are quite a few people listening to this podcast that would be interested in that. So I hope that helps. I hope this helps, but I have a few questions, you know, relating to Knife House and what you're doing. So what is your day now that you've got, first of all, let's walk through Steelport a little bit, the history of it and how you got going, but What is your day with Steelport? Look, We've already had you on the podcast with regard to Knife House, and we'll reference that. But what is your day with Steelport, your night, your night with Steelport like now? Yeah, so, uh, yeah, I guess we
3: should just tell people what Steelport is because we can't assume that everybody's going to know what a week-old company is. Right. Right. We are just, uh, we are, yeah, we are actually.
1: I saw it on CNN and Fox and MSNBC (laughs) last week.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this is for the people without TVs then. <laughs> uh, but yeah, we are uh, we are a week old with uh, we, uh, today, I believe. Yeah, I think we we just launched a week ago. And um, yeah, so I've been I've been trying to I've been trying to become a full time knife maker for about eight years now, nine years probably. It's been that's been my dream. I uh, might have even mentioned it last time that I just I got into you know. I I got into cooking because I like cooking, and the higher you move up, the less you get to touch food. And then I got into knife sharpening because I like knife sharpening, and the high, you know. And then I'm not really able to sharpen as many knives anymore. Uh, so I've always been looking for ways just to get my hands dirty again. And uh, knife making has always been the uh, it just seemed like the natural progression, right? If you're you know sharpening knives and selling knives and using knives, and it just makes sense that that is the, uh, this makes sense to me if that's the ultimate goal here. And I've always wanted to be a knife maker. And uh, right before I moved to Portland, I started making the move. I started uh, you know studying, uh, I bought a power hammer. I set up a forge behind the Phoenix shop where we actually have room there. And, uh, and then made a overnight decision to come to Portland and just left everything there. So I still have a forge there. I still have a hammer there just sitting collecting dust. Um, and I think like everybody else, we're, we have to do what people want to pay us to do. So, you know, at the end of the day, we're trying to make a living and pay our bills. So, um, you know, sharpening, selling knives, that's what I've been doing for the past, you know, 15 years. And, uh, you know, and, and I definitely enjoy that too. Um, so I got, you know, caught up in starting the new shop and running that and, um, and I still go there every day and I love it there, uh. But uh, I rented space up at Bridge Forge, and I bought another hammer. And Arnold there set me up there, gave me my own corner, uh, taught me a lot too. And I started knife making again. So that was um, say it's right at the end of 2019, and uh, it was just a way for me to just you know blow off some steam and you know get away from everybody and go and just you know use the hammer and make some knives. Um, and then I decided that I was actually gonna, okay, let me just start making them and selling them. And then I happened to meet my partner, Ron, who was the, uh, he's he the founder and the um, former CEO of uh, Finex Cast Iron. So uh, they've, they, done,
1: they've done pretty well. So I assume he brings quite a bit to the table as far as experience in growing a uh, company that is selling goods.
3: Absolutely. Yeah. And that's, and we are, you know, right now we are functioning like a, you know, like a custom knife maker, but, but the idea is this is a stepping stone to becoming an actual company because there really aren't any kitchen knife companies here in the U S to speak of. So, um, yeah, so he came with a lot of, yeah, with a lot of know-how, a lot of experience, um, you know, uh, in, uh, creating a startup, running it successfully selling it, which is not our intention. Um, But uh, he realized what he was able to do with cast iron, which uh, cast iron was not popular. Uh, You know, it was dominated by one company, which is the company that bought them eventually. But um, uh, yeah, and they were able to take something that nobody believed in and turn it into, into something that, you know, so many more people are using cast iron now. So he had the idea of if I could do this with cast iron, why not do it with carbon steel? And uh, Why not try to reintroduce carbon steel into the market? And so uh, we met uh, pretty much by chance. He was starting to do his research for the new company, and he didn't have a knife guy at that point. And uh, then he, uh, yeah, then then uh, we met and started talking. And then and then my little you know hobby turned into a super intensive year of R and D. And, um, and when
1: when was that? Was that pre-pandemic or
3: that was about a month before the pandemic?
1: Oh, yeah. Okay.
3: Yeah, that was I would say uh, probably February 2020. Um, yeah, probably in February. Um, I'm not good with dates, but I remember that we were able to uh, when when we first met. There was like rumors of it, and then we were still able to meet for a beer here and there, and sit in a coffee shop and talk face to face for you know, for about six weeks. And then and then everything went online. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I remember, yeah, I remember that it was right before. And then, um, and then yeah, and and then everything went crazy. And then we were in kind of a weird position, because um, the only way that I've been able to do this is because I have another income through the knife house. And then I find myself (laughs) without an income.
1: Right. So what, so yeah. I'm guessing what that gave you was a little time, but no income. Exactly. So. Yeah. So like, yeah, everything was very shaky. The
3: time was good because then I'm like, okay, I have nowhere to go every day. you know, <laughs> right. um, you know except for obviously the kids, you know, the kids were out of school for over a year. How old are, uh, your, ki- how old are your kids again? They're, uh, they're uh, four and seven.
1: Oh, that's, that's an interesting time during a pandemic. It doesn't require much of mm-hmm. your energy. Yeah, yeah, and, uh, yeah. They went to yeah. They went to
3: uh, online schooling pretty much immediately, and then their mom teaches at the same school, so she was teaching her classes while I was sitting with them in their classes. Oh, god! And, um, and yeah, that was pretty. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was pretty intense.
1: Isn't it nice to go back to school again? You know, it, to it go great. to elementary school one more time. <laughs> yeah
3: yeah so now now that they're back they're in a it's a it's a private french school so they make their own rules but so yeah they went back and uh and yeah and suddenly i have an extra you know suddenly i have an extra 30 40 hours of of work i can do every week you know which is amazing Um, um but yeah so that did keep me busy but otherwise i didn't have we shut down the knife house voluntarily for a couple months uh, we were technically an essential business because we service an essential business which is restaurants
1: mm-hmm. uh,
3: but we just couldn't figure out how to do it safely uh, people were coming in and they weren't really following protocols and um, they would come in for just a you know all they had to do was just pick pick up a sharpening and on the way to the register they touch 10 things for no reason and people were crowding each other and it was just uh, so difficult we, we we felt like we can still do business but we um we weren't being good citizens
1: right so. i think there were a lot of restaurants that fell that way early on and throughout the whole thing yeah. you know we just can't we, we first of all they couldn't be do justice to their employees health justice to employees so yeah I mean, you know when you have that going on so um yeah, I'm sure there were not easy decisions too because it's not black and white and you no. have to make calls that are really hard, to shut down. And you did have, you know, back in March and April and May, you could have had the business or would have been people coming in for sharpenings and, and maybe buying in. knives, who knows? Yeah,
3: yeah, no, no. People were coming in, they were asking, uh, you know, and I, and I was just meeting people just myself. I would take appointments and I would go in and I'd meet, you know, just a handful of people every day. Yeah, and, and do that kind of stuff, but but it was, um, yeah, it was just weird times. We had to board up our uh, windows because um, a bunch of businesses got their windows smashed at that time
1: too. Oh, that's and, fun, and I I would bet. my, I didn't even think about this. You, your businesses would be. <laughs> I'll say this quietly so no one hears, but that's <laughs> yeah. got to be a target with people knowing there are knives. You know, not only valuable items but knives in there. I think
3: luckily, yeah, we're we're not on people's radars as far as you know. Oh, here's a you know a jewelry store or a dispensary <laughs> or stuff like that that people consider you know that 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 just your average person has in their mind as far as that's a high value target. Right. Well, so, yeah, but so it is. that saved us. But yeah, we have uh, we have a lot of insurance and alarm system and all that stuff because we carry yeah, you know. I have and so, of-
1: did you have to before you did it? And I don't know if it's your norm, but do you have to put all the, your knives that are on display away every day, or you just bar the windows well enough for? No, to,
3: we have no. We just, I mean, we have you know seven hundred plus knives on the wall, and you know, yeah. put them back in boxes. And the next day, it was just, yeah, it's not, it's not sustainable. So we leave them out, and we just take our chances. And again, we just, we just uh, re- re- rely on our security system. All right. Uh, well, listen, you, know, you have to-
1: a couple of days to think about that statement, because we can always edit that part out if it, <laughs> okay. if you if it's a safety issue. Yeah, we probably should. <laughs> <laughs> but, well, uh, thanks. You know, I offer you that. And it's a little bit of uh, payback for the big favor you did for me a couple of years. I wasn't
3: going to bring it up. But yeah, now that you are. Yeah, that's it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have to get specific, but let's just say I posted something to Instagram that m- any normal any normal person would not want on instagram and you caught it soon enough to let me know yeah. well now that you mention it i don't know if i want
3: to use my uh, get out of jail card right now yeah. <laughs> and i'll save it
1: for no no i'm assuming that's what for it was we're all, the yeah we're all set <laughs> uh, we're even so uh, that's why i asked you the question right. no it's not but um yeah. but yeah i will never forget that and um uh, I also will never forget you because I, I, I wouldn't forget you, but I use, your, I use your, the bread knife I got from you a lot, too much for a guy who's got health you know, issues, but I, I just love that knife, and of course I got my Finex from you too, and that's used yep. daily. So um, you know, those are the the little subliminal things in life. You know, where you come into my mind quite a bit, and it's not because I'm looking in the mirror in the shower, but um, (laughs) uh, maybe I should cut that out because of people know that story. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, so um, to get back to April, May, June, uh, with regard to how you started this, let's go there. Let's go back there.
3: Yeah. So, yeah. So the, you know, the shop was shut down or just a little bit, you know, it was either shut down or just a little bit crippled. And uh, I have nothing to complain about where, you know, uh, you know, we fared a lot, a lot better than our friends in the restaurants, you know, we have it really tough and, you know, bars and restaurants and movie theaters and you name it. So. so that must have, have been very to tough. For you.
1: That must have been tough for you because you're a large, large portion of your clientele are people who are getting slammed during the during the- oh yeah
3: yeah and and uh, because we're yeah because we're geared towards professionals and we didn't lose almost our entire clientele right uh, <laughs> but but we were fortunate because everybody else was stuck at home cooking
1: yeah um, that's that was you know, the other part of they
3: it. realized that they uh, that they need better tools and that they knew that their tools are dull uh, you know they realized that their knives are dull and um so we, we, we've actually almost made up for, you know, the loss of restaurant business with, with the home cooks. So they really stepped up for us and, uh, we hit all the cliches, you know, when we first reopened, we sold nothing but bread knives pretty much because of the sourdough craze. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, which we, which we kind of expected, but yeah, when we reopened, everybody was kind of, you know, was, was kind of waiting for us, which was really nice. And the home cooks really, really stepped up for us. So. So I would say um, now we're seeing a lot more of the cooks now that restaurants are reopening and, um, and, uh, and, and uh, everybody's getting the stimulus checks. So that's been good for us. The people are coming and spending that. So, so yeah, we survived and we're doing well, uh, but it was, it was a little scary there. It was scary being closed down for a little bit. Uh, even when we were open with the windows boarded up, I would say just psychologically, that was, that was tough to see. Every day we uh-huh. just you know uh you know just boarded up planks, you know uh graffiti planks on the windows uh but yeah, but we made it and um yeah, and it did give me time to work on steelport and back then we could you know we could work on steelport during the day, and um we were still in the uh design process and just trying to figure out how we're gonna make this product because. What we're doing is just is something that's not being made at all in the U.S. Uh, we're the only drop forged carbon steel knife in the U.S. And I can't think of anywhere else, really. It's.
1: I would imagine the, you've done the research to know it. that you don't have to just think of it, but you know. whether. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. <laughs> so we do know. But yeah, yeah, yeah. So we so, so we
3: do know drop forging. You know, this is this company is kind of a reaction to uh, what's going on with the knife business these days. Uh The um, Demand has gone up so much for for the Japanese knives and they're not really keeping up with it. So it's really hard to get the Japanese knives. And with a lot of these companies, the quality is going down a little bit because they're trying to keep up with demand and everybody's starting to cut corners. And then what the what knife making in the U.S. is is uh, is basically stock removal. So you know where everybody's just stamping out knives. So your your average knife maker buys a sheet of steel, gets his patterns lasered out, sends it out to a place for heat treat. It comes back. They basically put a handle and an edge on it, and that's the product. And some people people are making very good products that way, uh, but. My, my goal here is a lot of it is uh, a lot of it is selfish because I want to be, I need to be fulfilled doing what I'm doing and I don't think I'd be happy doing stock removal knife making. Uh, And so we're actually taking it back to the roots to how people used to make knives. So we're actually starting off with a, a one inch diameter rod of steel and we're hammering that into the finished product. So the whole knife is, you know, we have a uh, double integral bolster. Uh, It is a solid piece of steel. So there's no, you know, there's no welding, there's no pins. Um, It is the most solid kind of old school construction that you can do on a knife. And it's really difficult because uh, the only people doing, doing this type of knife are custom knife makers that you can only make a knife or two a week this way. So our challenge was, how do we scale this up and how do we make this accessible to everybody? And um, yeah, and that's what I say, I would say that we spent the past year mainly working on, okay, how do we actually forge this knife? And uh, the other part is how do we get the best heat treat on it? Which is the, the real key to knife making.
1: Have you, um, have you resolved yet how to sell, You know, your initial run is 85, I saw that, but have you resolved how to do 2,000 a month yet and then 10,000 a month? Uh, Not really, right now, we're really just doing it the hard way. Um,
3: I mean, we have an idea, but we need to, the tricky part is you really don't know how to do this until you get the volume. And it's hard to do the volume before there is that much demand, if that makes sense. Um, So we have an idea, we haven't been able to put it really into practice yet, uh, because in in order to make five thousand, we need to have a reason to make five thousand. And right now, it's just it's you know we're just not ready to make that investment, right? Uh, So why
1: do I feel like Mark Cuban all of a sudden? Not that I (laughs) not that I can help, but. (laughs) I feel like I'm asking those questions well this really isn't for me you can't get it to (laughs) 20,000 um but that must be so how long did it take you this is like asking an artist how long a painting took but how long did it take you to make the initial 85 to get ready to sell that run and where are you now once you sell that how how far out are you going to be well so I'm um So I'm still
3: making the 85. I'm actually not caught up on orders. Uh So I still have, I have, you know, today I have five or six still to ship out. And I think I only have two made. So, so as soon as we, you know, as soon as, as soon as we close up shop at six, then I'm going to finish those, those up and package them and put them in the mail. And so I'm still getting caught up uh, with the, yeah, with the first 85, but uh, the good news is we're, we're, we're. We're almost done with those first 85, so then I'll, uh, but the next batch is already in the work, and this is just going to be a perpetual thing. Uh, so we have to make them in stages, right? The forging is all done at once. The heat treating is all done at once. And then all the finishing work, all the, you know, uh, the putting, uh, putting the handle on, shaping the handle, grinding it, doing the finish, the patina and that's all done. That's the part that I'm trying to get caught up on that as orders come in, I'm still finishing them up. Mm -hmm. Uh, But, you know, again, my, you know, my partner is pretty smart and he's an engineer and we have a, you know, we have a couple of other engineers that are consulting for us. And I think we will be able to crack this, you know, right now people are getting, you know, uh, you know, we're selling them a production knife, but they're getting a handmade knife. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, And, uh, and the challenge is to, is how to make this knife without compromising on anything.
1: I guess that's what happened to a lot of the Japanese companies that you were talking about that started cutting corners and you, they, they probably wanted to avoid that too, right. Going into it, no one's saying, Hey, we want to get to the point where we're compromising quality, but so that's, that's your challenge. And, um, you know, having, known you and you know you've been selling quality knives and explaining the virtues of those knives to people for quite some time uh you're not going to just let that go over time so no
3: no i feel like my reputation's at, at stake here and there's a lot of you know and i feel the pressure from that so there's no way i'm putting out anything i'm i'm not happy with
1: so what is the what's the advantage to doing it your way Obviously, along the way, it makes sense, as you explained on the the last time we got together, why it makes sense to really keep up with sharpening a knife uh, professionally versus what we think is sharpening at home. And, uh, but so, what is the other than the absolutely beautiful look? And I noticed you're using Oregon wood, which is awesome. um, But, other than how it looks and feels, uh, as far as the practicality of it, what is the advantage to your knives?
3: Yeah, so, um, yeah, um, about the Oregon wood real quick, I should mention that everything, everything that we, all our materials are 100% American made stuff. So we actually made sure that the, that the raw steel that we're getting, uh, the 52100 raw steel is all US made. So everything from the raw steel to the handle to the pins, everything's from here. hmm uh, But uh, yeah, so I mean, so forging a knife as far as construction, it is by far the uh, the most solid way to make a knife. So um, from uh, just from a construction point, that is the way to do it. And we usually we explain to people that, um, you know, think of like a big lifting hook. That's something that you can't cast, you can't stamp, you can't do anything but forge because it has to be strong because you have to have the grain flow has to be going through the product in order so it doesn't just snap on you. So mm-hmm. um, forging is, is a, there's a very practical reason to forge and it's the way, it's basically the way you, you spread out the steel grain and not the carbide grains, but the steel grain. And then another thing that we do, which is totally different uh, from any production knife, and I don't think there is another knife on the market that has this, is we do a differential heat treatment. So, um, the bottom of the blade is 65 Rockwell, which is extremely hard for a blade, and it's, um, and again, as far as I know, it's, it is the hardest version of 52100 on the market and the soft um, the soft part uh, on the top of the blade, which is the whole spine and handle, um, after we harden the blade, then we soften the spine uh, in order to make that more durable because you want a hard steel for it to uh, take an edge and hold an edge. But if the entire blade is 65 Rockwell, then you have a danger of it just snapping on you. So uh, we do a differential heat treatment, which is, um, uh, which is again, it's it is a one of thing. That's that's a big reason why people can't do it. Is you actually have to heat treat these one at a time. Uh,
1: so, but my practical question is, and I'm yeah. not trying to challenge you. I'm just curious. Yeah. That is, it uh, from a, a yeah. physics standpoint, sound is wonderful. Is <laughs> anybody using a knife to the point where that's absolutely necessary? If I bought just a knife, uh, you know, went to. Bed, bath, and beyond, yeah. and bought a kitchen knife there. And I was used it a lot. Would there be a difference in the actual end result over time in being able to, you know, being a chef or a cook with, with that versus 100%, 100%.
3: that? 100%. Yeah. So um, and just just to explain Rockwell hardness to people who aren't from familiar with it, is that's how you measure steel hardness. And it's not the only factor in a knife. Um, but your, let's say your, your basic Chinese made knives are going to be 52, 53 Rockwell, maybe 54. Um, your best German knife on their best day is going to top out at 57. Most of them are 55, 56. Then your Japanese knives start at 58 to 59 Rockwell. Uh, the good ones will be in the 62, 63. Uh, once you get to that kind of hardness, um, the That is where you get the most performance. Uh, but if you have an an entire blade that that is that hard, then you have a lot of issues with cracking. So you have what's called the in in the uh, Japanese knife world, so you have your sandmi blades, which are your laminated blades, which uh, they have a hard core and a softer steel to the outside, and that's how they keep from getting damaged. Um, but they tend to bend on you too. Uh, or you have the honyaki knives, which are a lot more expensive because they're more difficult to be- to actually produce because you have a lot of breakage, um, but they do tend to snap on you.
1: Okay so,
3: yeah, so you need to have a you need to have a hard steel in order for the knife to be a high performance blade, and so it can support a low angle and it can cut well and it can hold that edge. Uh, but if it's not produced properly then then it then it just won't work on you, so you just actually can't make a knife like this without
1: those features. so what percentage of chefs that you run into know you know know about Rockwell differences and so forth, and um, what percentage need to know that that don't know that now that, that, that you're aware of?
3: Yeah, I would say it's probably half and half you know most of our customers, a lot of people are 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 getting a lot more educated about knives now, because it is, we are in the, uh, you know, we're, we're in kind of the golden age of knife making or, or call it a Renaissance or I I don't want to mix my metaphors here, but, you Um. know, but, but, but this is, this is the time to be into knives. Uh, you know, you, you have, you know, stupid shows like Forge and Fire that everybody's into, um, you know, and, 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 and just everybody's it's, it's kind of like a cool thing to be into these days which in a way is annoying because people think that they know a lot because they watch Forge and Fire and they read a few, you know, blogs online, but it does pique people's interest. And I equate it to when the Food Network came on and I was cooking back then. And I was so annoyed because then everybody thinks that they, you know, they know about food, but it had a lot of I mean, a lot of positive impacts on the restaurant business and the way we eat, and, mm-hmm. and just educating people. So I right, think and the, we're the general interest. In, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you know, there's, uh, you know, it's just, it just, it just like everything. There's, um, you know, it'll, it'll peter out, and then we'll hopefully retain some of the good parts of it. But um, yeah, I see. So a lot of people. I mean, I. All of our regulars at the shop—they are familiar with this because that's the language that we use. Mm-hmm. And we try to explain it in simple terms so people understand it. Um, and um, yeah, and then I mean, but every day we have a handful of people that come in that either don't know about it or don't want to know about it, and they're just give me something, give give me something that works. And then yeah, we well, that's different. We find a knife that you know, and we we find a simple knife that will work for them. Uh, but this knife, yeah, this knife that we're making, it's definitely it's not for everybody. Um, like my mom would hate using this knife. Uh, Why? Why would she it hate it? using? It? Uh, because we're doing we're we're making carbon steel knives, and carbon steel is not rust resistant. It's not stain resistant. Um, it's gonna look like an antique. You know, it's gonna get patina. It's, it's gonna it's 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 gonna look like a fifty year old knife about a weekend. And it's for people who can appreciate a high performance knife and are willing to put up with the maintenance of carbon steel which is pretty basic you just have to keep it dry and just don't leave it wet or dirty and that's that's basically it but a lot of people don't want to do that a lot of people want to you know prep dinner and then sit down to eat and then like wake up in the morning the next day and then wash their knife all right and then this all is quick- for them
1: it's very much like the Finex cookware, right? Same thing yep. for me. I've never had to keep up with, and not, I'm not someone who throws things in the, uh, the the sink and waits, but if you just don't dry that properly and maybe give it a little bit of oil, then you're going to notice the next day.
3: Exactly, yeah. And and, and and that's the type of person that will appreciate this knife is the person that uses cast iron. Right. right. It's, it's, the, it's the same type of, mentality so this is never going to be we're not going to be the next um you know Wustoff or henkels or shun or global um because this knife is not for everybody we're not trying to reach everybody we're trying to you know reach someone who will appreciate it and will use it and and we'll keep it sharp right yeah.
1: so yeah. and so that requires more than just taking a sharpening steel at home it requires a visit yeah. to the shop. No, and I'm, no watching, not really. I'm not watching think, these. I'm just sorry. For the
3: plug, but but uh, no, just the
1: opposite, actually.
3: So uh, the reason to use carbon steel, uh, you know, there would be no reason to put up with the you have to get some kind of benefit from putting up with a with with a non stainless knife. Right? The benefit is the sharpenability. So you can get a knife that's this hard. If I gave you a stainless knife that was this hard, you probably would not be able to sharpen it at home and you would have to come see me at the shop. Okay? But with, um, if, if you get your heat treatment right, then you could get a blade that's this hard and sharpening doesn't, doesn't have that much to do with hardness. It's kind of a misconception that people think that a, hard, that a harder steel is gonna be more difficult to sharpen. It actually has, has to do a lot more with the grain size and the carbide grains, not the steel grains. And um, so you can get a knife this hard and you can just bring it back on a strop or a, you know, ceramic steel. Ideally, you can still use a regular honing rod, uh, but this is for people who will keep up with the basic maintenance. And the idea is that you should be keeping this sharp yourself. Uh, Otherwise, don't really bother with the carbon. Just get a stainless knife, get the low maintenance, have and then somebody else's problem sharpen it
1: oh so, that's uh, I, I i'm glad yeah. i stand corrected that, so learn yeah. something there and it's yeah. interesting that you would build a uh, build one business that doesn't necessarily require the other that's generally the business <laughs> model is you know get get addicted yeah. to this so you need this yeah but, uh, yeah and it will still need to
3: be sharp i don't want to create any false expectations here but it will still need to be you know you you will still need to throw it on a stone once in a while and and we'll be there for, you know, for doing the repairs and anything the customer messes up. But but yeah, but that's the idea is this is I think there are enough people out there that are willing to take care of their tools.
1: Well, uh, and I think that, also cooking is such a an intimate, personal and important thing that there are a lot of people out there that would just, and you know this, uh, that would just want the best possible implement to help them through. Yeah. yeah. So and bit, some I, I people like the fact I've that been... it's
3: not stainless just
1: go ahead. Exactly.
3: Yeah, no, some 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 people do like carbon steel knives just for the fact that they patina, that they end up looking different. And no one has the same type of patina because if you if you're cutting proteins, you'll get, you know, blues and purples, and if you're cutting it, you know, something acidic, then you'll get grays and blacks. And depending on where you use the knife and where you hold it and Uh, Everybody has a different story on their knife. And some people use carbon steel just for that, which is not a practical thing, but I still, uh, I get it.
1: Well, and I would imagine that um, some schooled chefs understand that fully and they find that, you know, part of the whole process. It's like a professional driver. You know, they know exactly why they need, what they need in the transmission to get to a corner.
0: Chris, we are pausing a moment to talk about one of our favorite places to eat here in Portland, a Portland institution, Ringside Steakhouse.
1: You know, just I'm going to make this point on Ringside's ad. that, that we all know there's an Eater 38 and I think that the fact that Ringside is not on the Eater 38 when everyone knows you can't get better service anywhere and of course the steaks, the food is great but it's a Portland institution and so everyone should be thinking about Ringside when they're thinking about dining out and especially this time you don't even have to eat there if you don't want, you can pick up a family dinner kit for Thanksgiving.
0: That's yeah, pretty great. I'm I'm looking at this uh, for four people with extra turkey. You can pre-order this and pick up the week of Thanksgiving. Uh, One eighty-nine. That that's pretty great for a, a complete Thanksgiving meal for your family.
1: Yeah, think about it. If you go out and you buy everything and you make it. It's going to end up costing at least that much, and this saves you the oh, yeah. to work. And you have you have a chef Jonathan Gill prepared Thanksgiving dinner. It's a it's a fantastic idea. And while you're at it, you may want to think about going in on Wednesday nights. Think about that prime rib special, three courses, prime rib and some sides as well, and dessert. Forty three dollars Wednesday nights at Ringside.
0: You can make reservations on Open Table. The Open Table app, or at ringsidesteakhouse.com. and don't miss out on that Thanksgiving dinner.
1: So, uh, at what point are you going to, and are you going to expa- expand beyond that sh- beautiful chef knife that you have now?
3: Mm. So we're we're already working on it. So when I'm not actually making the knives, we're designing the next two, and uh, they're pretty much they're pretty much done. We have a, we have a bread knife and a kind of a pairing petty. That's going to be coming out and uh, that's kind of a longer process. Again, we, we worked out most of the kinks already. We did the R and D as far as the heat treat and the, you know, finishing and handle stabilizing and all that, but uh, we still have to figure out how to, how to serrate in-house and to, you know, make this knife smaller and everything. So we're expecting that by, uh, that by Christmas or a couple of months before, then we should be up to three knives. And then we're hoping to get up to five knives uh, by this time next year. Oh, And we'll, we'll be adding a slicer and a boning knife. And then that's basically the core five.
1: And so um, what's it going to take to get there as far as personnel, you know, earlier on, you mentioned you need some knife makers. Uh, Mm -hmm. How many knife makers is it going to take? And do you have the, you have the facility I would imagine to to work on these
3: yeah so we're looking for a facility and uh that's the easy part right now because uh unfortunately for you know i mean there are there are just a lot of vacant spaces right now so i don't think that's going to be too big of an issue but we're we're trying to find the right spot and then i think eventually if there's five of us hands-on that'll be more than enough and you know right now we're just trying to get to three Mm -hmm. um but but we really um, we really don't know until it happens. We're just gonna keep you know we're gonna find the right people and we're gonna add them on and and um, and see where it takes us. Um, so
1: other than a willingness to learn, what are the right what is what are the qualities of the right people going to be that you find?
3: Well, you have to be uh, I mean you have to be somewhat comfortable working with your hands. Right. So if you're all, you know, if you're all thumbs then this, this might not be the, uh, <laughs> this might not be the job for you. Um, y- you need to be into, I'd say, I always, it's become kind of my tagline that I'm not a knife guy. I'm a food guy. And I'm really, I I am still interested in how knives relate to food as opposed to just like, I'll never, I have zero interest in making swords and throwing stars and stuff like that. So um, you have to understand what the end result is. So you have to be already using knives and, and, and understanding what a sharp knife is. You'll, you'll be surprised how many people just don't. Um, Yeah. So we're looking for, um, you know, we don't really have a, instead of having a position and trying to shove somebody into it. uh, I, I usually have with, with my shops too. I generally, hire based on personality. And then we find out what that person's good at. And that's what they end up doing. Um, So, you know, if we need, you know, we need somebody, I don't, um, you know, I don't know how much of a national audience we have here, but uh, I am dying to hire two people for Phoenix. And we're not able to find somebody, which is surprising. Uh, But we're, you know, we're just looking for somebody. And if they're better at sales, they'll do sales. If they're better at sharpening, they'll end up doing sharpening or doing both. So I think it's the same with Steelport.
1: I would imagine you might find some people in Portland that might like the idea of going to Phoenix right now. Cause we, you know, 70, 78% of our listeners are in this general area, but you'd be surprised We're, you know, we, we have listeners yeah. in Afghanistan. It's crazy. Really? No yeah. not, yeah. not tons, but they're there, you know, they're all over the world, but probably yeah. Arizona shows up California for sure. But at any rate, um that is kind of a segue to, you know, you moved from, you said, uh, a spur-of-the-moment decision, overnight decision to move to Portland. How do you feel about that decision
3: now? Oh, I, I, I mean, I can't imagine living anywhere else. Uh, I've kind of a short memory, so I adapt very quickly. And, and I just, I feel like I've been here my whole life.
1: Mm-hmm. Pretty much. So do I. Uh,
3: but yeah, I just, no, I have no uh, yeah, definitely no regrets. Uh, I have been neglecting Phoenix, which is not good. I haven't been, well, I haven't, I haven't been there in a year for obvious reasons. I just, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to fly until I feel comfortable flying. But, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I'm kind of, I think I need to spend more time in Phoenix because that is also my, that, that, that is also my home and, you know, and I have the business there. But, uh, but otherwise the main reason that we moved here was because we were about to have our first child and. And we looked at where do we want to raise them, and it was it was Portland back then, and it's Portland now. So well,
1: that's uh, exactly why I asked the question because yeah. a lot of people don't feel that way all of a sudden with what's gone on over the last it's, year.
3: No, I feel no, I feel it's um, you know, well, I mean, I look at people. I don't mean to make this political, but I look at what's going on in Arizona, where they've been acting like the pandemic hasn't that is not a real thing for about a year now. And uh-huh. I think at, at two points, um, they were the world's number one hotspot for coronavirus outbreaks
1: uh-huh. uh,
3: for an obvious reason. So, um, yeah, so I'm really glad that we weren't, you know, and it's a constant fight there with having, you know, you know, people wear masks and distance and everything. And so I'm kind of glad that we didn't have to deal with that. Uh, and I'm also on the other hand, I talked to my friends back in New York and they've, feel like they've been stuck on a cruise ship for a year they're in this big you know they're in these giant buildings with thousands thousands of people and they can't even leave without getting into an elevator or a small stairwell and that so i feel like we we got super lucky because we have you know we live in a city but we have our space and we have our outdoors and and we have a you know citizenry which is um you know i think a little bit more respectful of each other so I think that part's been great, you know, and we were able to we got very portlandy. Uh in the past year we got chickens and, you know, uh so we have fresh eggs now every morning and the kids take care of them and they love them and and I actually think out of out of out of out of anywhere I think Portland was a great place to be during the pandemic. You know, uh we had our political stuff, we had, you know, everything else, but I think overall yeah, I wouldn't have traded it. Oh,
1: well, um, you know, I kind of feel the same way about Oregon. And when I mention yeah. Portland, I'm talking about the general area because I, yeah. I've always believed that whether you live in Portland or nearby, there's more to Portland than downtown Portland. And those two blocks that everybody was focused yeah. on. Um, but, yeah, we, you're right. We have had the ability to get out in open space, too, without a lot of people. I mean it still is incredible to me that I can go somewhere like short sands and on a weekday and be the only one in that beautiful spot it's just yeah. it's just incredible so um, but that's good to hear and so how do you how are you feeling or how are you navigating your personal emotions with your chef friends? I mean some of them I mean there's some really terrible things that have happened to some of those folks, and we're waiting to see what happens with. The rest and how we're going to come out of this pandemic
3: yeah so for for a lot of them I don't even you know for a lot of them I just stopped asking how they're doing like I'm there for them right but mm-hmm. I mean regulars that come in the shop that I know have restaurants and you know I used to be you know how's it going you guys doing all right you guys making it it's I've I kind of stopped doing that Mm -hmm. Uh, because I felt like people don't want to talk about it. And the answers, it was just bumming everybody out and, you know, uh, people need a break (laughs) from talking about their problems, but it's been, um, I mean, it's just been super crazy. And I've been watching everybody trying to just do pivot after pivot after pivot and, you know, um, trying to get ready for, you know, for, for outdoor dining and then indoor dining and making modifications and, I think the the restaurants that fared the best that I've seen were the ones that didn't even try to do normal business, that just went straight to just takeout only, simple, you know, simple is good. Uh-huh. And I talked to people who are actually – that have actually done well, and some people are even, you know, up business-wise. Uh, but those are the ones that they never tried to do, you know uh, – they they didn't invest a lot in outdoor seating. They didn't try to do indoor seating. They just went straight to, we're just going to do takeout and that's it. Uh, but it's been a it's I mean it's 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 been a carnage, you know. It's been a carnage, you know. I mean uh, I mean Beast closed. Yeah.
1: You know? Well, I we think, can we can we can. Keep yeah, what's a better example time? than that?
3: You know, I mean that's that's if that's you know the fact that we lost Beast. I think that is the you know for Portlanders that's like we 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 have had institutions that have closed. Right. Yeah. Um, well,
1: it's it will be interesting to see so what happens and I'm hoping that a lot of you know and and Naomi is doing ripe collective now and she's they still have as I as far as I know expatriate across the street. Oh yeah. So
3: yeah.
1: I'm hoping that a lot you like say uh, those folks who have um, honed uh, their takeout business will have now a stronger business because now they'll have another uh, arm of profitability that they may not have been very yeah. good at before.
3: Yeah, yeah. A lot of stuff, like we started off saying, a lot of stuff is just going to stay the same
1: because it works. You know? right. Well, people makes, get used to it, whether it's yeah. a marketing thing or not. But yeah. it's like the podcast here. I got to tell you, in the beginning, I hated doing it via Zoom. I yeah. really liked going in and sitting in the studio, and I still will. I don't know if I will. We don't know if we're going to be back to a studio, but it takes a while to get used to it. And now I, yeah. I don't mind having you know being able to make my coffee here and talk to you. It's obviously there's some benefits, so it's the same yeah. thing. But you're still, you know, as far as Portland Knife House, you're still going to have to have people come in and drop off knives and and come in and buy knives. You do have an online business, but.
3: Uh, we actually don't have an online business. No, we're no, made, you know, why, it was
1: coming out of my mouth. I knew I didn't know that.
3: Yeah, <laughs> that's why we actually that's another thing that I worked on was we actually put a lot of work into um, into doing an online store. We did get a new website and we were going to do online sales. And then I just I could never pull the trigger on it because I just don't I just don't like it. There's nothing that that's not something I want to do. Right. Well, right. and what you so wanted we got to hit hard five. because of that,
1: You found something you like doing more. So if you if you weren't starting uh, Steelport, perhaps maybe you would have, you know. Well, once
3: there. we, by the time we got done with the store, is when we opened up and we, we realized that we were getting regular business. Uh, so it wasn't really Steelport related. It was just, um, yeah, that by the time we opened by the time we were done with the website and the photography, we realized that we're doing regular business again and that we don't have to. And eventually I'll have to do an online store because, you know, I'll, I'm going to have to, you know, join the times. Uh, but yeah, it, it, shops that had online stores just switched to online and they were doing great business. Uh, we got hit hard because we, we had no, yeah, we, we didn't have the infrastructure for that yet. So, um, I have comfort in the fact that I now have the the bones for it and whenever I, I need to activate an online store, I can do it in a week. And um, so if we get shut down again, then that's what we're gonna have to go to. Uh so so I have that safety net now, but we never activated it because I just hate I just hate computers.
1: Uh. Yeah. yeah, well you can always find someone who can yeah. do that well for you, at least, you know, there are enough enough uh, people out there that you know that you could that could give you some advice on that area in that area so do you uh you mentioned before do you ever have um long term you're still a young guy and you got young kids but uh would you you said you your goal is not to sell steel port what about knife house is that someday you might want to focus strictly
3: no Um, uh, so yeah, the knife house, that's my baby. I can't, um, that's, I mean, that's, that's the only, that's where I feel most comfortable. You know, that's my comfort zone is being in the shop. It's my baby. Um, I don't see myself ever, ever stepping away from that or selling it. Um, I have, you know, what we did, you know, uh, what I did in order to move here was switch to, you know, profit sharing. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and that was the solution for that. So I, I, imagine that the busier i get uh, with the rest of my life the more we're just going to have to you know we'll just bring bring more people in and reward them that way and then and then i have less worries but i don't see myself ever really stepping away from the knife house um i want to doing me you know myself making all the knives for steel board is just completely not sustainable there's just not enough hours in in the day for that Mm -hmm. you know so that'll change and that's going to be um same as when you go to, you know, when you go to a famous restaurant, you're not, you know, um, the head chef is not the one actually cooking your food. Right. right. So, Which
1: is why you got out of it. Uh,
3: yeah. 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 But that's where that's going to go eventually. And my long term goal in life is I want to be successful enough that I can go back to acting like an employee. Okay? My uh, my whole thing with the knife house was I want it to be successful enough that I can just come in and just sharpen knives every day and have somebody else run it for me. Cause that's why I like doing it. I'm not a business guy. I don't, I don't, I hate paperwork. I don't enjoy the numbers. Um, part I have, I just have no talent for it. It's, it's not a natural thing for me. Um, so yeah, I want, I mean, I want to get to the point where I can just come into the you know come into the shop and just sharpen and do some sales and not have to worry about about taxes and and I want Steelport to get to the point where I can just you know come in and do the parts that I like and do the R&D and just uh, get back to making my own knives which was the which was the original intent with this. Yeah. Um but yeah, but I, I'm I'm not a very I'm not a very financially driven person which is why my shop looks the way it does it would look very different if i just wanted to you know i'd pack it with shuns and hankles and and you know it would and and everything that people want to buy these days and um, but you know having kids my motivations have changed and i need some kind of security for them and something long term and i really think that you know i mean this sounds ridiculous saying it one weekend but i really think that's still you know, that Steelport will be another Finex and later on another, you know, one day maybe what, you know, our or Henkels here. And um, so, I mean, that is the, I know I sound like an egomaniac, but that is the, you know, if you don't set goals for yourself.
1: I don't think that sounds e- egomaniacal at all. I think it yeah. sounds... Exactly the opposite. Very humble, and you want to yeah. get there organically. Yeah. What I'm thinking yeah. while you're saying that is, from a business standpoint, yeah. you're very Portlandy, right? That's how yeah. a lot of Portland businesses start, just through passion, and then yeah. if we build it, something will happen. But maybe what you're saying yeah. is maybe a little, you know, in the long term, maybe a little less Portland and a little more Seattle in your in your my in your, in your <laughs> DNA. There so, you go. Well, I mean, look at uh, I mean. So more,
3: more, more Stumptown, less Starbucks.
1: Right.
3: You know, I, uh, I think that's, a, that's, you know, a, Dwayne did very well, right? Dwayne yeah. did very well with Stumptown and, and, um, you know, again, not a bad, uh, that's not a good example since, since he ended up selling the Pete's, but, um, but yeah, but I think you can do both, right. You know, he can yeah, do but both, once, we,
1: once he sold, he, you know, he knew he
3: lost control, so he, he's doing okay. But, uh, oh, he's doing, yeah, yeah, he's, he's doing just, just fine. And actually that's a great, uh, maybe it is a good example. Cause now he has puff coffee and he's back to just a small operation and doing what he loves.
1: Okay. Oh, well then that's, uh, that's the way it generally works. So yeah. what are your short-term goals now that you've been cooped up with kids and school and to this project and all the machinations of keeping knife house going as best as possible. Um, the spring here is here in Oregon and do you have some goals to get out? Are you able now with night with, with your project to be able to think about spending a little time away?
3: So, uh, no, not yet. But first of all, thank God for spring. It's been, uh, it is, it is just amazing not to have to try to keep the kids busy all day with stuff and we can just go to the park and I can just sit on a bench and just keep an eye on them. And, you know, so thank God for that. Um, but um, yeah, I want to, you know, I need, I need to get caught up, right? We need, we need to get ahead with Steelport and then I can breathe a little bit. Um, and yeah, I just want to get caught up. I feel like I've, um, I am completely uh, de-socialized, is that a word? Um, but I, am, I do not feel comfortable, you know, sitting in restaurants or going places or really being around people. I feel like it's been, you know, I've been super, super cautious for the past year and I feel like I haven't, I'm not able, I don't know when I'm gonna be able to like snap out of it. So I need to go to Phoenix. It horrifies me to think about sitting on a plane.
2: For road $2. trip, $2.
3: what's wrong with a road trip? Uh, know, who has that time to spend, you know, two, three days in the car every- There you go, uh, you just answered that day day. question.
1: But that would be I the way to week. do it. If you have to, you have to, right? It's a write off. Yeah. You just need to say, hey, listen, I need two weeks to go Sure, yeah. Phoenix, if you can. So listen, yeah. I, so a- I need to
3: reintegrate myself into society. I think that's the main thing is because I really, I mean, I really withdrew and I talked to customers at the shop, but I really haven't seen friends and we haven't. It's just been, you know, kids and work and kids and work. And and so I feel like I need to break that cycle. And uh, I think it'll be, you know, yeah, once I'm comfortable, you know, there's a lot of restaurants I want to support, but I still do it with take.
1: Right. I think we just lost you.
3: Uh, once we get a facility, I can just kind of split my time between the two uh, businesses and 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 then have a regular. Uh, yeah. And then have a regular life again. That's my that's my goal. Just having a regular life. Again.
1: Have you had have you had the first or second vaccine yet?
3: Uh, so I have. Yeah. Yeah. Are you, yeah. You're,
1: you're through, two.
3: I'm actually vaccinated, um, which is kind of, you know, these days it's kind of tricky to, you know, put out there. Right. And, yeah. uh, yeah, but I just, yeah, I just got done with my second one. And, um,
1: Well, and, I asked because then I would think you'd start to be feeling a little more comfortable with, the yeah. Idea. You know, it's sometimes I feel like I'm walking through
3: places and I have like superpowers cause I'm cause I have that immunity. Right. But I, 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 through this past year, every time i go to the grocery store, I would realize at some point that I wasn't breathing. I didn't, didn't want to inhale. Right. right. Um, but yeah. So, and, uh, I do have a lot of comfort, you know, then, but then it's also, you know, I was in a, uh, I was in a situation last, you know, a couple of days ago where, um, I was with three people and we realized that everybody was vaccinated. We decided to take our mask off and it felt really weird
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, it's in really time, that
3: it was not liberating. It felt just strange. So,
1: yeah. Well, I assume it. I hope at some point we're all going to feel back to somewhat. Some degree of normalcy, but I think the reason you feel like you have superpowers is because it's springtime. You got short sleeves on, and you're walking through the store with the the that awesome ink that you have on both arms. So that looks like you're like you know you're someone who walks up. Yeah, it's pretty cool. So what do you? to end this, what do you have on your arms? Cause it looks pretty cool. And it's kind of, they're kind of uh, covered for on the bottom of the screen for me. I can't see all of them, but you got yeah, some. Yeah.
3: So it's, um, it's so yeah, I, I am pretty, t- well, I used to be really tattooed for, for the times. These are all 20 years old. Back then I was extremely tattooed. Now I'm just average, but um, but yeah, I got the three quarter sleeves and some random stuff, but everything's easily covered up. And and the funny thing is I am not into tattoos, but I was for about a year when I was 20. <laughs> when, I, when I first came to the States and all my friends were getting tattoos and I was just hanging out at tattoo parlors a lot. And, and I was just like, let's do it. And they mean nothing. I didn't even pick any of these. I just let the tattoo artist pick them because I like the style. And I, the only problem with these is I told them I specifically wanted them to not look too Japanese because I am obviously not Japanese and they ended up looking pretty Japanese looking, you know, there's a koi fish here and there are some, you know, cherry blossoms here and there. And, um, but, uh, yeah, no, it's a weird thing. I was into, yeah, these are, these are all 20 years old and, um, And um, it was just, uh, I was into it for about a year and then I don't even notice them anymore.
1: That's Um, that's very cool because I remember asking a guy who was cutting my hair once, who was, you know, 40 years younger, 30 years younger than I am or was, he had scissors and combs all up and down his arms. And that's great. But I said, is there, has it ever crossed your mind that someday you may not be doing this for a living? And then you've just completely pasted it all over. And he said, no, he never thought of, I'm going to be doing this forever. And I was like, okay, well, I guess there is a little wisdom in age because I'd yeah. I would put a bet on that he's not going to be doing that forever.
3: Well, you know I'll tell you that i don't see so i don't see any like personally i don't see any any point for tattoos right um It's like I do know people who the tattoos are very personal to them, and every single tattoo has a meaning, and that works for them and 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 I get it for for me it doesn't I feel weird telling people like, yeah my dad tat- like i I didn't pick my tattoos. I put zero thought into this right <laughs> and, but what always was interesting to me about tattoos is people doing them as a way to force themselves to basically follow their path, right? So um, musicians, uh, now chefs, like a bunch of people that they made themselves look unemployable so they would have to keep doing what they're doing, right? Like <laughs> this tattoo means that I'm never going to have to get a corporate job type of, type of mm-hmm. mentality, Right. And it prevents them from doing it. So they so um I I think back when I was um I guess these are over twenty years old now, you know, like back then it was still a little bit of that mentality. And and I think as a twenty year old I was just trying to make myself look tough. Uh-huh. Right. Like I was trying to make myself look like kind of a badass. Um, now it doesn't mean anything anymore. It's,
1: well, you know, I think it's good for your business now. Uh, I don't think it hurts your business. Uh, no, like it doesn't that. hurt. It just, you
3: know, sometimes I wish I didn't have them because it's kind of cliche to be the, you know, the tattooed Portland guy. But um, and actually in Phoenix, I think has even more tattoos than really? Portland. And they're oh, and it's all over. Yeah, just just necks and faces and. But you're the real guy. You did it before everybody was doing I, it. So. I, I think it's actually more conservative here now com- compared to Phoenix. Uh, but yeah, back then I did it for shock value and and I kind of lost that. And, um, but, you know, um, you know, my, it. I don't want my kids to be tattooed, but my daughter loves talking about them. You know, we, you know, we sit when she's, uh, she's I mean, only people with kids will get this, but you know, when she's in the bathroom, I hang out with her and then we just, you know, make up stories about the tattoos. And, you know, she has names for all the characters and, and, you know, tells me stories about them. And, and, uh, yeah, it's not a bad thing. It's not scary. I never went with any, you know, skulls or, you know, zombies or offensive stuff. So, yeah, no, they're really. I think you
1: did have given yeah. the way you went about it. I think you ended up very lucky. I, I, know. I great. know.
3: I know. Could have gone the other way for sure.
1: Yeah, no, right. you could be looking into uh, how to get how to change that now. But um, very cool. And I appreciate your uh, sharing the story of those uh, of yeah. your arms. And I have never seen them before because I guess you, all I can assume is that you've had long sleeves on when we, when we, when I've met you. So, uh, so they look great. Keep it out there. And I may, I hope, you don't. I hope it's cool because you sent me a couple of pictures to use for the avatar. I may just screenshot you when you were holding your arms up and use that as the avatar. because I think it's a, it's something that people will enjoy. So, uh, and that, Leads us to I'm looking at I can see your knives with tomatoes on the bottom of the screen below you. And uh, they look just wonderful. And I will uh, figure out a way I'm trying to think it's my birthday coming up. And if I were to order one by my birthday, if I could ask you if I could buy one that was finished on that day, because I once bought a piano that was made the year I was born. So I can I can definitely do that. All right. Well, now there's pressure on me because if I don't, I'm a slacker. <laughs> so let's, let's see what, uh, what unemployment comes in. Um, and, and if I get my stimulus check, I, I haven't gotten that yet. So, go. uh, but I appreciate it. Listen, I sincerely appreciate you taking the time because I know you're busy and um, you didn't hem and haw. You just said, when do you want to do it? So seriously, appreciate uh, your time on this pretty Monday morning. Is it pretty in Portland right now? Um I- all right well we lost you And I'm sorry about that, but um, I guess that's our signal to end it. I just lost you when you turned your head. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm back now. I lost you too.
1: (laughs) But that's okay. No one's going to care what the weather was in Portland on this Monday when they listen to this podcast. So I appreciate it, man, and uh, I will talk to you soon.
3: Yeah, thanks for having me. And just last question, if you don't mind, is there like a special club for people that have been on twice? Is there like a jacket or – Kind of oh. like that SNL club for people who have hosted more than once.
1: No, but we'll have to <laughs> we'll have to go in development on that, and I I'll say we'll have an answer for you in 2022. All right, uh, we have we've got you know over this last year, I've sort of just as you said when you're talking to customers, you're tired of hearing not tired, but you don't want to rehash negative stories. So I've been trying to find people who have positive stories and people like you who have new things to talk about because yeah. uh, I don't want to talk about the pandemic all the time. Yep. So, but we've had we've got a few people who've been on three or four times now. over. The, oh, man. We're, on, we're on year eight, my friend, which is unbelievable to me. So um, I just can't believe it when I think about it. The time flies um, when you're having fun. So this was fun. And I really appreciate your uh, coming on. Uh, let's do a third time. And then we'll come up with something for the three time. because right. It's going to cost me too much. It's going to cost. We don't have you know much revenue for this podcast enough to cover all the people who've been on twice. So like a special edition t-shirt or something. That's what know. I mean. But if I have yeah. to go back and give everybody who's been on twice something, that's going to be time and effort <laughs> and yeah. cost. So let's go with the three and we'll cover you on the third. Perfect. All, all right. right. And, and then you'll be able to tell us about how the five knives are doing and how the rest yeah. is going on in your life. So, awesome. uh, thanks A-10. I
3: appreciate it. All right. Yeah. Thanks for having me and give those dogs some, uh, some, some rubs
1: from me. Yeah. They've been getting a lot lately. So thanks. Yeah. And I'll go pay attention to Oakley right now. So, yeah. okay, man. All right. Take care. Till next time.